Welcome to the Unadorned Word. My name is Rosie G and I'm speaking to you from the beautiful Gold Coast in Australia. We are shivering a little bit now. It is winter, but, um, well, I'm still in a t-shirt. So, um, we're not really that cold. It's actually a beautiful day today. And this is podcast number 31 and we are starting the book of Exodus. Great book, a book about the forming of a nation, an exciting book. Why a Bible reading podcast? The Unadorned Word is a Bible reading podcast that seeks to read scripture as cleanly and simply as possible so that whatever you are doing, whether you are driving or exercising, whether you're working or simply relaxing, you can have the Word of God permeating your mind and your heart. Um, If you enjoy the podcast, please go to our website or our Facebook page, The Unadorned Word, and leave a comment. If you have a prayer request, leave a prayer request and we'll pray for you. And uh, we'd just love to hear from, from you. And if you do enjoy the podcast, please don't hesitate. Go to iTunes and leave a review for us. Because our heart, my heart, is just to, is to bless you and to encourage you and to, and to inspire you to live your life in the Word of God, live your life for Jesus. So let's begin Exodus chapter 1 and I'm reading from the World English Bible. You will find it at ebible.org. It's a Bible that um, has no copyright on it. So I'm very grateful to uh, Michael and Laurie Johnson for for putting out this Bible that we, we can all use to spread the word of God. Exodus chapter 1. Now, these are the names of the sons of Israel who came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher. All the souls who came out of Jacob's body were seventy souls, and Joseph was in Egypt already. Joseph died, as did all his brothers and all that generation. The children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and and multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who didn't know Joseph. He said to his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let's deal wisely with them lest they multiply, and it happened that when any war breaks out, they also join themselves to our enemies and fight against us, and escape out of the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. They built storage cities for Pharaoh, Python and Ramesses. But the more the Egyptians afflicted them, the more the Israelites multiplied, and the more they spread out. The Egyptians started to dread the children of Israel. They ruthlessly made the children of Israel serve, and they made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and in brick and in all kinds of service in the field. The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the the name of one was Shifra 
and the name of the other, Puah. And he said, When you perform the duty of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall kill him, but if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and didn't do what the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the baby boys alive. The king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the boys alive? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women aren't like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. Because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, You shall cast every son who is born into the river, and every daughter you shall save. Exodus chapter 2 A man of the house of Levi went and took a daughter of Levi as his wife. The woman conceived and bore a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and with pitch. She put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. His sister stood far off to see what would be done to him. Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe at the river. Her maidens walked along by the riverside. She saw the basket amongst the reeds and sent her servant to get it. She opened it and saw the child, and behold, the baby cried. She had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. The young woman went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. The woman took the child and and nursed it. The child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, and said, Because I drew him out of the water. In those days, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his brothers and saw their burdens. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his brothers. He looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He went out the second day, and behold, two men of the Hebrews were fighting with each other. He said to him who did the wrong, Why do you strike your fellow? He said, Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you plan to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses was afraid and said, Surely this this thing is known. Now, when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and lived in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Oh, it's very clumsy. Now, when Pharaoh heard this this thing. He sought to kill Moses, 
But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh. He fled to the land of Midian. When he got there, he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to rule their father, he said, How is it that you have returned so early today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and moreover he drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Where is he? Why is it did you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Moses was content to dwell with the man. He gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. She bore a son and named him Gershom. For he said, For Moses said, I have lived as a foreigner in a foreign land. In the course of many days the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed because of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the children of Israel, and God was concerned about them. Exodus chapter 3 Now Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the back of the wilderness and came to God's mountain, to Horeb. The Lord's angel appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the middle of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush burnt with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will go now and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he came over to see, God called to him out of the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, Here I am. God said, Don't come close. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing on is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. Moreover, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God said, Certainly, I will be with you. This will be the token to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Behold, 
when I come to the children, children of Israel and tell them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, You shall tell the children of Israel this. I am has sent me to you. God said, moreover to Moses, You shall tell the children of Israel this. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and tell them. God said to Mo. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, You shall tell the children of Israel this, I am has sent me to you. God said moreover to Moses, Tell the children of Israel this, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and tell them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. Verse 17. I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to your voice. You shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall tell him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now, please, let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. I know that the king of Egypt won't give you permission to go. No, not by a mighty hand. I will reach out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do amongst them, and after that he will let you go. I will give this people favour in the sight of the Egyptians, and it will happen that when you go, you shall not go empty-handed, but every woman shall ask of her neighbour and of her who visits her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold and clothing. You shall put them on your sons, you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. You shall plunder the Egyptians. Exodus chapter 4 Moses answered, But they will not believe me, nor listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? Moses said, A rod. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and Moses, and it became a snake, and Moses ran away from it. The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and take it by the tail. Stretch out your hand and take it by the tail. He stretched out his hand and took hold of it, and it became a rod in his hand. This is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. The Lord said furthermore to him, Now put your hand inside your cloak. He put his hand inside his cloak, 
and when he took it out, his hand was leprous, as white as snow. God said, Put your hand inside your cloak again. He put his hand inside his cloak again, and when he took it out of his cloak, behold, it had turned again, as his other flesh. It will happen, if they will not believe you, or listen to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the latter sign. It will happen, if they will not believe even those two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take of the water of the river, and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take out of the river will become blood on the dry land. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before now, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. The Lord said to him, Who made man's mouth? Or who makes one mute, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Isn't it I, the Lord? Now, therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else. The Lord's anger burnt against Moses, and he said, What about Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Also, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with your mouth and with his, and will teach you what you shall do. He will be your spokesman to the people. It will happen that he will be to you a mouth, and you will be to him as God. You shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please, let me go and return to my brothers who are in Egypt, and see whether they are still alive. Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. The Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men who spoke, who sought your life are dead. Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. He took God's rod in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, When you go back into Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart, and he will not let the people go. You shall tell Pharaoh, The Lord says, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And I have said to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your firstborn son. On the way, at a lodging place, the Lord met Moses and wanted to kill him. Then Zipporah took a flint, then Zipporah took a flint and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet, and she said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So God let him alone. And then she said, You are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. Aaron went and met him on God's mountain and kissed him. Moses told Aaron all the Lord's words with which he had sent him and all the signs which he had instructed him. Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. The people believed 
And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Exodus chapter 5 Afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should listen to his voice, to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Moses and Aaron said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord, our God, to the Lord our God, lest he fall on us with pestilence or with the sword. The king of Egypt said to them, Why do you, Moses and Aaron, take the people from their work? Get back to your burdens. Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. You shall require from them the number of the bricks which which they made before. You shall not diminish anything of it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let's go and sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labour in it. Don't let them pay any attention to lying words. The taskmasters of the people went out, and their officers, and they spoke to the Israelites, saying, This is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you straw. Go yourselves, get straw where you can find it, for nothing of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Fulfill your work quota daily, as when there was straw. The officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why haven't you fulfilled your quota, both yesterday and today, in making bricks as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, saying, Why do you deal this way with your servants? No straw is given to your servants, and they tell us, Make bricks! And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But Pharaoh said, You are idle. Therefore you say, Let's go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for no straw shall be given to you, yet you shall deliver the same number of bricks. The officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble when it was said, You shall not diminish anything from your daily quota of bricks. They met Moses and Aaron, who stood along the way as they came out from Pharaoh. They said to them, May the Lord look at you and judge, because you have made us a stench to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, He has brought trouble on this people. You have not rescued your people at all. Chapter 6 verse 1 The Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For by a strong hand he shall let them go. And by a strong hand 
He shall drive them out of his land. Thank you for listening to the Unadorned Word. And that was Exodus chapter 1 to chapter 6, verse 1. And our key verse today is Exodus 2, verse 6. And I have to say, I've been waiting for this one because this is one of my favorite verses. This is an amazing woman or, or child, actually. We, we don't really know her age. This is a person who truly lived a life of risk and responsibility, a milk and honey life. Exodus 2, verse 6. And it's talking about Pharaoh's daughter. Actually, I'll, I'll, read, um, I'll read from verse 4. Moses' sister stood from far off to see what would be done to him. Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe at the river. Her maidens walked with her alongside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant to, servant to get it. Verse 6 Pharaoh's daughter opened it and saw the child, and behold, the baby cried. She had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Here is a person who knows how to live a life of risk and responsibility. In a time of genocide and racial hatred, she went against everything, the law, her father, other people. She took compassion on a little Hebrew baby. She knew exactly who he was. She knew what was happening to the Israelites and their children. She knew those babies were being thrown into the river and that were being killed as soon as they were born. She was possibly very young here in Exodus. She is named only as Pharaoh's daughter. From our books and movie traditions, we think of her as a young but grown-up woman. But scripture doesn't say that. Scripture calls her Pharaoh's daughter. She could have only been 10 or 12 years old. But whatever her age, she displayed a mature and a seasoned character. How do we live in a place of oppression? This young woman was the same as many Dutch and German citizens who took Jewish people into their homes and hid them from the Nazis during World War II. A milk and honey person chooses to live in a righteous way, a God-believing way, no matter what the surrounding culture or influences. It's dangerous to do the right thing when the culture you live in is fully immersed in a different way of life. I heard Memory Banda's TED Talk where she spoke about her eldest sister who at 11 was sent to a camp to enforce traditional values. This camp was not what we would expect. It was a camp where she went through an initiation process that taught her how to sexually please a man. She was 11 years old. The camp ended with a man hired by the community having sex with the girls. At that camp, Memory's sister got pregnant. By the age of 16, she had been married twice and had three children. When Memory was 13, her family wanted to send her to the initiation camp. She said, no. She faced the opposition. She rallied other girls. She helped other girls get an education and she spoke to elders and leaders in her community. She encouraged other girls to speak to the elders and the leaders in her community. And every time they tried to send her to the camp, she said no. The old women abused her. 
she said no, and at 18, she succeeded in getting the law in Malawi changed. Now in Malawi, a girl has to be 18 before she marries, and the community is changing to close those camps and to educate their girls. Memory took risks and chose to live her life taking responsibility not only for herself, not only for herself, but for all the girls in her nation. That's in Malawi, an extremely poor African country. What about in our Western countries? Do we have children who don't have a chance, whose lives are destroyed before they even begin? I think so. What about the thousands of babies aborted every year? Is there anything we can do to help those babies and those mothers? What about if I work in a business that does business in an unethical manner or whose products cause harm? What am I going to do? What choices will I make? We don't often think of a life that lives responsibly as a life that takes, as a life that takes risks. In our minds, we believe the two are incompatible, opposite. But that's not true. If I choose to take responsibility in my own life, in my family and in my community, then I am going to take risks. Because living responsibly means choosing the best life and choosing the best means, the best means I have to bring change. I have to be strong. I don't believe it was easy for Pharaoh's daughter to take in Moses. I am sure many opposed her, perhaps threatened her, but she stayed firm and raised him as her own son. And Moses, he grew up knowing who he was. He knew that Aaron was his brother. We know that because when he was in the wilderness, he knew that Aaron was going to, he knew that Aaron was going to meet him. God spoke to him about Aaron. He knew Aaron. He was raised and educated to the best of the Egyptian way. And yet in that place where he was educated, he was, he was known. They knew who he was. He was known as the Hebrew that Pharaoh's daughter had rescued. There are different kinds of risk. It's a risk to leave one job for another. It's a risk to leave work and go to university and retrain. There are risks to take that improve our lives and give us more opportunities. There are other risks that are sporting risks. It's a huge risk to climb a mountain like Everest or to take a bike in the Dakar Rally. I read Richard Branson's biography years ago and a passage that stayed, me, stayed with me was in the period when he was exploring high-altitude balloons. It was extremely dangerous. Every time he went up in one of those balloons, he took his life in his hands. He did not know if he would come back. One day he went for a walk by the river near his house and along the way he met a neighbour, a local butcher. They said hello and, and passed one another. Then the butcher stopped and asked him something. So this is my paraphrase because it's a long time since I've read this book. But the butcher asked him not to take risks with his life because of his children. While they are young, take care of your life because they need you. I think that butcher took a risk speaking out into an honest and raw, ma raw way to a man who was, who's known all over the world. But Richard Branson listened to him and he thought of his children and he stopped putting himself in danger. Take risks. But can I say this? 
Does it make sense? This is certainly an oxymoron. Take sensible risks, calculated risks. So, but these risks, sporting risks, they're not the kind of risk we're talking about here. Here we're talking about risk that helps us build better lives, better families, better communities. When you get honey from the hive, you take a risk. Those bees are going to sting you. You put protective clothing on. You arm yourself, you prepare yourself, and you take the honey. That's the kind of risk I'm talking about. Pharaoh's daughter took a risk. She couldn't help every Hebrew baby boy, but she could help this one. Make a difference for this one. Take responsibility for this one. She had no idea that she was integral to the birth of a nation, a different kind of nation, a nation chosen by God. She had no idea that as she raised and educated this boy, she was raising a leader who would still be spoken about three, four thousand years later. All she saw was a little baby boy that she could help. And honestly, I don't think she cared about those those things. Moses could have been any little Hebrew baby boy, any baby boy in danger. She would have raised him and educated him, and he could have just lived a good life and an ordinary life. That would have been enough. That would have been a great thing to do. He was the one child, the one in front of her, the one that she could help. When I first met my husband, we were at Bible college. This was in the days before Ausstudy and Hex, the, the government help that we get now in Australia. He went six months with no work, no income, no savings left. He had to budget every cent, yet he never missed a payment on the child that he sponsored through compassion. He went without. I remember finding out he washed his clothes by hand because he wanted to make sure that he paid that sponsorship. He never failed. 22 years later, that sponsorship is still going on, making a difference now in a third child. Back in those days, it was a risk for him to give that money, but he had taken it on as a responsibility. A responsibility that gave a child an opportunity. And you'll find a link to compassion in the show notes. Sister Prema, the current Superior General of the Sisters of Charity, was asked if Mother Teresa had any big, hairy, audacious goals such as eliminating poverty. Sister Prema's reply was, Oh no. Mother Teresa was completely focused on helping one person at a time. This Egyptian princess saw one person in front of her, one person she could help and make a difference with. Perhaps she had wept as she saw what was happening, and yet suddenly here was a child in front of her, one she could take and make a difference for. She did take Moses, and that action gave her a place in one of the great dramas of humanity, the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and the forming of a nation. But that's not why she took Moses. She took Moses because she had a heart of compassion, that she had a heart of love. She lived differently to those around her. Everyone around her was destroying the babies or helping them be destroyed. She stood up and she said, No, I'm going to save this boy. 
take a risk, be responsible, make a difference in the lives that Jesus brings into your world. It takes risk and responsibility to live a full life. Step out, take those risks, take responsibility. Your life counts and who you are counts and what you can do can make a difference in this world. Thank you so much for listening to The Unadorned Word. I have appreciated your time and I am grateful for it. If you have enjoyed it, please go and leave us a review at iTunes. We love to hear from you. And um, and I hope that you're going to enjoy Exodus as much as I'm going to enjoy reading it. So we'll see you again tomorrow for our next passage, which covers the plagues of Egypt. Thank you and have a great day.